Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. Have you ever noticed that a champion always has that it factor? People have tried to find the DNA of an it factor, but unsuccessfully. But within those that are winners, there is always a part of them that it just seems in the moment, in the clutch, they're able to come through with that big play. They're able to chase the victory and obtain it. And so today I'm going to be talking about a champion spirit. God has given that to everyone who has professed his name. But the key is, just like a champion has to pursue and allow that it factor to begin to dominate, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to dominate in our lives. So again, I really want to focus on today a champion spirit. Around the nation, when 6.30 p.m. hits, that kickoff takes place, people around this nation and even around the world who are football fans, they are preparing, they will be there to watch the biggest sporting event this entire year, the Super Bowl. In preparation, extravagant amounts of money, time, advertising, emotion, and additional preparation, they're all being given to this one multi-billion dollar event. Some look forward to the commercials. I saw an ad the other day that they're returning to the traditional type Super Bowl commercials. People have been longing, requesting, making known their feelings regarding that. So they're going to be returning to the old type, the old school commercials. And there are individuals who actually enjoy the commercials more than the game. Some look forward to the halftime show, some don't. Halftime show for all of the football fans is when you go and you refill your plate with all the snacks, right? Get another Coca-Cola, and you get yourself set before the second half begins to turn out. But millions of dollars, millions of advertising preparations have gone into this because of all of the attention. Two teams, as Cindy brought out in her welcome. The Kansas City Chiefs, the Philadelphia Eagles, they'll be facing off. But only one will walk off that field with the Vince Lombardi trophy. Win the Super Bowl. The champion. Today I want to talk about three champions. Three champions that are found in God's Word. Three individuals who faced overwhelming odds. Three individuals from the eyes of their peers, for all intents and purposes, it looked as if they had failed. Three individuals who, in spite, though, of those circumstances, chose to rise up and demonstrate a champion spirit. And if we're going to be the men and the women God has called us to be, if we're going to live on top of the circumstances, rather than beneath them, then we need to do the same thing and learn from these three individuals. 
So let's begin by looking at an Old Testament character by the name of Gideon. Gideon is an intriguing biblical figure. He really is. He's one of my heroes of the faith. If you look at his background, he was the son of Joash from the tribe of Manasseh, and the clan he was a part of, Scripture brings out, was the weakest in all of Israel, of which he then referred to himself when confronted by the angel of God as the least of all of his clan. So it's the smallest tribe, Manasseh, then his clan is the least of all the clans that were within the tribe of Manasseh. And then he himself, as an individual, was all the way at the bottom of the totem pole. <clears throat> so you can see, he didn't think very highly of himself. You can see that a champion spirit, outwardly demonstrated, was the furthest thing from this man at this point in time of his life. Gideon, if you were to take a poll with all of his peers, he would have been voted the most unlikely to succeed. Yet God chose this broken man. God chose this man who had no confidence in and of himself. And honestly, that's important. When we come to the place in our walk with God, when we realize we can't do it, as Joseph said, I cannot when he stood before Pharaoh. But God can give Pharaoh the interpretation to the dream he is looking for. When we come to that place, that's when miracles happen. All because Gideon encountered the presence of God, he was able then to rise up fully confident in the word that God had brought to him that a miracle was still possible. Look at Judges chapter 6, two verses, 11 and 12. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belongs to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. This was just a day like every other day, a day in fear, a day in hiding, because the Midianites had come in and conquered Israel, and the reason that happened was because Israel had opened the door to the enemy, to Satan, the kingdom of darkness, by turning from worshiping the one true God, and then they became followers and worshipers of Baal, bringing all of the idols, all of the idolatry that accompanied Baal. And when they removed God, they removed God's protection, they removed God's provision, and it opened the door for the enemy to come in and fill that empty space with his own presence. That's why it's so important for us as believers, those of you watching online as well, that we make sure that we always protect the presence of God within us as Christians. If we fail to keep him first, all of a sudden reading the Word of God don't have time. If, if I want to fall asleep, then I'll just read a couple verses and I'm gone. And rather than being disciplined and committed to the Word of God, it comes to that place where we place it on the back shelf, our prayer time. Don't have time to pray. My day begins at 6 a.m. for some of you even earlier. <clears throat> and it doesn't end until late that evening when I get home. I'm exhausted and I'm gone within seconds into a deep sleep. 
coming to church. It's my only day off. It's the only time I don't have to do anything. And now, for those that have children, even the sports programs in local communities take and run their programs in competition with church worship times. See, sometimes we can be no different than Israel. And these idols may not be graven images of stone and wood, but they're things that compromise our commitment to God. And then before you know it, when we're hit with, with an attack, with a circumstance, a situation arises, negative obviously, we cry out and say, Lord, why did this happen? And that's what took place with the nation of Israel. Because they had turned to other gods. They had allowed the one true God to be removed from their lives, removed from their nation. It opened the door for the enemy. And then the enemy came in, the Midianites. They conquered Jerusalem. They conquered Israel. And the Israelites became the slaves. And it was a seven-year period of time until when the Lord appeared at this wine press to Gideon. So God saw what Gideon could not see. Because when the Lord said to him, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor, he didn't see a champion. He saw a man who was hiding in a wine press, threshing what little bit of wheat he had to provide food for his clan and for his immediate family. He, he saw a man who was weak, who was least in his clan, least in his tribe, he saw a man that lacked and had no confidence, yet God spoke through this angel the antithesis of what Gideon was exuding in mindset as well as lifestyle. People would have looked at him and say, he does not have the it factor. But God saw something. And guess what? He sees something in all of you. And he sees something in those of you who are worshiping online. Don't allow your circumstances to dictate who you are. Don't allow what others say to dictate who you are. Allow God's opinion of you to be the settling factor. Hallelujah. I believe this with all of my heart, church. See, see, God saw what Gideon was destined to yet become. And the same is true for all of us. Now, when the angel spoke these words to Gideon, look at how he responds. I'm sure first, I've said this before, he may have turned around and, and said, are you talking to me? Right? Mighty man of valor, do you see where I am? Have you observed the circumstances that are overwhelming and dictating my every step? But listen to what Gideon says to the angel. Judges 6, verse 13. Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, can you imagine? Oh my Lord, right? Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all of this happened to us? Isn't that just like the devil? You know, the blame game, you know, we become so accustomed to living in the pit of the wine press under the circumstances that we blame God for it when the fact remains Israel had opened the door for all of this. They had created their situation. And sometimes that is true of us. Sometimes there's things that are beyond our control. I get that. Sometimes we haven't opened the door. Sometimes it's just simply called spiritual warfare or an attack from the enemy. But the times when we have been negligent and we have relaxed 
our stance. That's when the enemy looks for an opportune time. And then when it happens, rather than self-evaluating so we can fortify, reposition ourselves, strengthen ourselves, human nature says, why did God do this to us? Why has this happened to us? The verse continues, and where are his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Gideon was blinded by, him, by his circumstances. That's why he doubted God's protection. He also doubted God's power. We see that in the verse. And he doubted God's word. When we come to that place where we doubt the word of God, the enemy has the upper hand. But all of this changed following one encounter with Almighty God. It's amazing. I love those divine appointments that God brings to our lives. A moment when everything changes, our, our outlook changes, our, our faith is turned, you know, strengthened, and our weakness is turned to strength. Everything can change in a moment, and that's what happened to Gideon. He went from that wine press to become a military leader. And then a judge and a prophet over the nation of Israel. When the greatest battle of his life against over 100,000 soldiers, with only 300 men, men, he defeated the Midianites and reestablished the nation of Israel. Why? Because of Almighty God's hand on his life, he was willing to embrace a champion spirit. And if things are going to change for you, Maybe a hidden sin, maybe a, a fear, a weakness. Maybe an area of your life what, that you struggle with time and time again. Maybe a miracle you need in your physical body or your mind and emotions. If things are going to change, you have to be willing, like Gideon, to embrace a champion spirit. We see this same heart in the life of another individual, the life of Peter. Now, it's important to understand Peter was a versatile man. He was a businessman, and he was a spiritual man. Scripture reads, and also scholars bring out, that for years before he had become a follower of Jesus Christ, for years he had run a successful fishing company. He supplied all of the area markets that dealt with seafood, with fish, with their supply to sell in the retail market. He was a follower of John the Baptist before he became a follower of Christ. So we see there was a deep yearning within him to live right before God. There was a yearning within him to honor the Lord in his life. And then when the ministry of John the Baptist had served its purpose as the forerunner of the Christ, the Messiah, then we see how John directs his followers to begin to pursue and listen to become a disciple of Jesus. And that's exactly what Peter did. When Jesus be began his ministry, Peter at that time became an avid follower, avid disciple of Jesus Christ. And for three and one half years, Peter walked with, learned from, and ministered with Jesus. How many of you would like to do that? <clears throat> Sometimes I say to myself, if only I could go back in time and spend three and one half years, instead of all of my multiple levels of education, if I could just go for three and one half years 
that firsthand knowledge in the very presence, my ears hearing the physical voice of Jesus, my hands touching the physical body of Jesus, learning from him, that would be beyond all of the academia I've pursued in my lifetime. Three and one half years, Peter walked with the Lord. But then following all of this success, in our Lord's greatest time of need, the darkest hour, Scripture records that Peter denied Jesus and abandoned for a time his faith. You would look at this, and I'm sure Peter in the moment, he asked himself, how can I ever recover from this? My reputation is gone. I was supposed to have been a man of faith. I ministered. I was there when the, when the loaves and the fishes were multiplied and the multitudes were fed. I was there when, when Jesus cast out demons. I was there when he made blind eyes see and the lame to walk. Even when he raised the dead, I was there. People respected my faith, my relationship with Jesus and then to deny him, it's astounding how bad news and, and negative news travel so quickly, isn't it? Satan is the source behind all of that. He, he, he wants to knock us so low after a bad decision that we feel like there's no chance of recovery. It'll never be the same. And, and, and Peter's no different than us. He was at the lowest point of his life. But here is what I say to that. Never underestimate the power of prayer. Did you hear me? Peter's recovery was preceded by prayer. Did you know that? Even before Peter ever failed, before Peter ever denied the Lord, even before he was born, God had signaled him out. But then before this incident, this event, prayer had prepared the way for his recovery. Look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, two verses, 31 and 32. Jesus says this to Peter, after Peter said, I'll never deny you, I'll never forsake you. The very thing he promised he would never do, he did. But at that moment, look at what Jesus says to him. This is before Peter's failure. Jesus says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded. Did you? That's a strong word. Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. Did you hear that? Prayer preceded the recovery of Peter. That's why loved ones that you know, maybe you have a spouse, a son, a daughter, mother, a father, brother, a sister, a dear friend, a spiritual leader that once walked with God but now is not where they used to be. Do what Jesus did. Jesus said, but I have prayed for you. That what? Your faith should not fail. And when you have returned, Jesus was prophesying there. Peter hadn't even strayed away. At that point, there was no need for a return. But prophetically, Jesus knew what would happen. And prophetically, Jesus declared in prayer, just like we should. When you're praying for someone, when you're praying for a miracle, someone has turned their back on God, turned their back on Maybe their relationship with you. Pray prophetically. Call those things which are not as though they are. Isn't that what Paul says faith is? Faith declares that which is not as though it already was. Romans chapter 4 verse 17. 
This is what Jesus did. I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Every failure can become a message of faith when we take the steps to return to our relationship with Almighty God. Every mess we create when we return to the Lord, God can use it as part of our message. That which the enemy intends for evil, God will use for good. If, like Peter, we return to the Lord, just like the prodigal Jesus gave the example of, who had left his father, left his home, and he returned when he came to himself, and he was restored. That's who Jesus is. He's the God of restoration. And it was this what enabled Peter to embrace a champion spirit, to go on to become one of the pillars of the early formation of the Christian church. Do you know the Christian church was most vulnerable in its very beginning fledgling stages? There was not this huge infrastructure. There was not an array of strong leaders. But there was a handful compared to the population of that area, and the world even, that loved the Lord and were willing to take the message to the death if necessary. And it was that kind of faith, it was that kind of commitment that enabled the church through Peter and the other apostles and those whose names are, have never been mentioned in Scripture but they're considered as part of the great hall of faith in the book of Hebrews. It was that kind of dedication. It was that champion spirit that enabled them to fulfill and to establish God's purposes, God's plans, so that the church could continue and grow. Hallelujah. And do you know we see not only that champion spirit in the life of Gideon, we see not only that champion spirit in the life of Peter, but you know who else exude this during his earthly existence? Jesus. The crucifixion of Jesus from the perspective of the kingdom of darkness, that was Satan's endgame. That was his whole purpose. Jesus nailed it when he said in John 10.10, 10, the thief, Satan, the serpent, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that they may have life and they may have it abundantly. So when you see that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, that's applicable to your body, your soul, your spirit. We're triune, we're tripartite. We're spiritual beings that live in a physical body and communicate and relate through the processes of the mind, our soul. And so when Jesus finally went to the cross, when he allowed the Roman Empire and the religious leaders to take and to bring about his death through crucifixion, Satan thought he had won by dominating and manipulating the thoughts and the agendas of the world. But this was always God the Father's plan. He was always intended to be the Lamb of God who would take away the sin, not of just a few, not of just Israel, but the world, Jew and Gentile alike. You see that death had placed its grip on Jesus. 
Everyone thought it was complete. You could draw or say it this way. Finally, when he drew his last breath, said, it is finished, and died. The kingdom of darkness said, game over. No comeback possible with this situation, this scenario. We have taken his life, so they thought. You'll find what the world sees always differs from what God sees. Did you hear me? What the world sees will always differ from what God sees. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 6. Look at it with me as we see after his crucifixion, the events that preceded his resurrection. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guard shook for fear of him, and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. The kingdom of darkness on their side, game over. But God the Father, he says, we've only just begun. Second half has arrived, and we took it in for the victory. Aren't you glad we serve a Lord like that? In fact, John the Apostle says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, he says, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Did you ever notice when you, leave the, when you read the life history of Jesus, everywhere he went, whatever Satan had created, Jesus tore it down. If people were sick, they got healed. If they were maimed physically, they were restored. If they were in bondage to sin, they were forgiven. If they were demonized, they were set free. When they were dead, they even came back to life. Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. And the greatest accomplishment of all was when he took the penalty for our sin, the sin of the entire world, so that if we'll receive him as our Savior, the Lamb of God who came to take away my sin as well as the sin of the world, if we'll embrace him, commit to him, and then begin to take steps to be discipled by him and live for him, then my goodness, that champion spirit that he is the author and finisher, as Paul says of our faith, that champion spirit will engulf us, transform us, and then like Gideon, like Peter, those who were weak, those who thought there would never be a recovery and never be a comeback for them, but because they have taken and embraced the living God, the living Christ, he was and is Messiah. And because of that, everything about us will change for the better. That's what Jesus came to do. Jesus did what no one else could do. There was no man that can do this. That's why it was imperative that he had a virgin birth. It's amazing how for years people would say, 
How could there be a virgin birth? That's impossible. That's why the job description right under God's name says creator. He can do what we can't do. Then people would say, I don't know if I believe that Mary was a virgin. Well, doctors are already doing, you know, procedures where then a woman can become a surrogate from the seed and the egg of someone else, have it surgically implanted in vitro, and then carry the child full term and give birth, yet there was never that interaction with a man to accomplish that end result. Doctors have figured that out. Don't you think God knows a lot more than doctors? Here we have black and white examples of what man has accomplished and has done some good things. Done a lot of bad things too. That's why we need a Savior, amen? Then God, who has no beginning, no end, I believe that with all my heart. God, who is omnipotent, all-powerful. If he did all of that, couldn't he take and bring about Messiah in human form? God the Son gave up his throne for a period of time, 33 and one-half years, took on human form, reduced himself to limitations. He was fully God, but still fully human. He had to sleep like us. He had to eat like us. He felt pain just like us. He knew what betrayal was, abandonment. He felt it just like us. Scripture says he was tempted in every way, just like us, yet without sin. When he went to the cross, he was spotless. He was spotless. And that's why death could not hold him in the grave. Yes, he took on sin, but none of that sin was his own. It was yours. It was mine. It was all of you worshiping and watching online. He took our sin so that we, because of his sacrifice, could have every sin, every failure, every mistake, every mishap, intentional and unintentional, forgiven. Oh, he's got my heart for life. He does. Let it be known today. Let it be known today. I love Jesus. I love him with all of my heart. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. And I embrace that champion spirit. How about you? How about you? Jesus was the champion of champions. And he opened the door for our freedom. In closing and conclusion, no one is destined for failure. Some people, they say, well, I, you know, every, every family has a black sheep, and I'm the black sheep of mine. I don't find that anywhere in the Bible. And if people continue to believe lies, negative thoughts like that, you will be the black sheep. Not because you're destined to be that, but because you've convinced yourself you are that. No one is destined for failure, and no one is past the point of no return when you still have the breath of life. Did you hear me? Everybody breathing out there? All of you watching online, are you breathing out there? Then you're not past the point of no return. 
Once you're six feet under, then it's all been settled at that point, good or bad. But if you're still breathing, you still have the breath of life, then there is a champion spirit waiting for you. Honestly, God is orchestrating your future. Just as Jesus prayed for Peter, Scripture records He's ever making intercession for us before the throne of the Father. He's praying for us. He's praying for you. He's praying for all of you. He's praying for me. Just as he prayed for Peter, he's praying for you. Peter, I've prayed for you. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Listen to what God speaks through the prophet. To all who would call upon the Lord's name. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. This is God saying, speaking. His thoughts that he thinks about you, about the world, about people. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. What kind of thoughts? Thoughts of peace, not of evil. To do what? To give you a future and a hope. You know what hope is in the Greek? The Greek word is elpizo. It's defined as a confident expectation. So the future God has for you is filled with confident expectation. God has confidence that that which He began in you, He'll be faithful to complete it. Do you hear me? He who began a good work in you will be faithful. Everybody say faithful. Say it again. Faithful. Will be faithful. To complete it. You're not out of the game. In fact, God's calling you off the bench and back into the competition. This is your moment to shine with every breath you have from this moment until that last breath if the rapture doesn't come during our lifetime. This is your time to shine. This is your time to embrace that it factor that distinguishes you and sets you aside, sets you apart to become and do great things for His glory and namesake. Like Gideon, like Peter, like Jesus. It's time to unleash. Did you hear that? It's time to take the dog off the leash. Unleash a champion spirit. Go get him. Release the fullness of God in your life. Become the champion that Jesus already prayed that you would become. Amen? Let's all stand. How many of you watch it online? How many of you in this auditorium, you have a desire to be a champion. How many? Wave me down. Come on. That should be, amen, amen. That should be our heart's cry. Lord, I want to be a champion. Baptize me with the heart, the mind, the soul of a champion spirit. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. Because He's our source, amen. Jesus made possible something that all of the saints in the Old Testament before Jesus had come never experienced the indwelling, abiding,
presence of the Holy Spirit within them. Because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, because he rose from the dead victoriously, on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the 120 in that other upper room, they were not only born again spiritually, but they were also indwelt by the fullness of the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. Christ in you, the hope, confident expectation of his glory. How many of you are ready for God's glory? Because of the cross, we can experience his glory and still have the breath of life. I'm going to open these altars up. And don't be bashful. You're crying out for the end game. You're crying out for more. You're crying out for God to shape and mold you into that champion He has already prophesied you'll be and made possible that you can become. I want to make it simple. Just come, stand in the front, and just say, Lord, make me a champion. Lord, I embrace a champion spirit. Lord, I am ready for the greatest comeback of my life in Jesus' name. You're hearing me? The greatest comeback of my life in Jesus' name. That blessing is only one prayer away. Hallelujah. Those of you watching online, make an altar wherever you are right now. And just say, Lord, I embrace a champion spirit. Lord, baptize me with that spirit. Your Holy Spirit. I'm ready for my greatest comeback. Recovery from every bondage, forgiveness of every sin, and power to walk in victory and wreak havoc on the kingdom of darkness. Demon slayers, hallelujah, believers, that's what God is raising up. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.